Welcome to Energy Matters in the Classroom with Robin Berlinski. This is the show that highlights and celebrates the kinetic and potential energy in classrooms across the globe and why it matters. We are heard nationally on your favorite podcast sites where you'll also find a library of all of our shows. And if you happen to live in Charleston, South Carolina, we're heard Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. on the iconic 1250 WTMA with the invaluable assistance of John Quincy. And here she is, a force of nature, Robin Berlinski. Hey, Ron. Robin, we're going to take a little diversion today. We are. I like this. We're uh, chasing a squirrel today. Before we do that, though, go ahead and let's put some business out there so people know how to get in touch with Okay, you. here's the business. So if you're listening on the radio, remember, I have a podcast, Energy Matters, in the classroom with Robin Berlinski. You can find it wherever you listen. And follow me on Instagram, Robin underscore Berlinski, because with, ep- with every episode, we have a lot of giveaways and fun prizes. So you don't want to miss out on that. Well, what's exciting about this, and and you have heard this question more than anybody, and now you have a place to talk about it, is the secrets behind starting a nonprofit or why you would do that or how you would do that. And I know people pull you aside all the time. Here's your opportunity. Teach me and teach us about the world of nonprofit. I would love to. Um, Yeah, so I've been in the nonprofit world for about 20 years between the Children's Museum and then Engaging Creative Minds, where I am now the CEO. And I do get that question a lot. And I love it because energy matters in the nonprofit world. And the secret, which is really not a secret and won't be a a secret after this show, is all about the energy you put into it. Um, There are around 10 million nonprofits worldwide. Nonprofit organizations represent about 5.7, so almost 6% of the U.S. economy. So we need nonprofits. They, they're everywhere, but they're not. And I, I do hear a lot of people who, who have an idea and they wonder, is this an LLC or is this a nonprofit? And they, they're just not sure. And then sometimes just the thought of trying to understand how to set up a nonprofit is so daunting, they go LLC. And I want to clear up some of the confusion because what I love about nonprofits is for revenue, you can write grants and you can also earn income. So that's what's super cool is being a nonprofit. When you have a 501c3, as you know, people can donate and they write it off. So it's a need for people who make a lot of money. They can't donate to your LLC. So it's something to consider that you can really expand, widen your net when you're looking for money. So I know that... um there is a process and you have to make an application and you have to get approved. Um, you know, let's, let's start with that. Let's go through the step-by-step process because you have to do this right. If you want that 501c status, yeah, C3 status, you have to do it right. But you're going to say perhaps that it's not as challenging or difficult as you're led to believe. No, no, it's not at all. Um, you know, I have 10 steps that, that to me are like first day steps. So when I talk to somebody about setting up a nonprofit and they're at like zero, zero. Um, I say, let's do these 10 things today. When I leave this conversation with you, you can do all 10 of these. And tomorrow you'll be in a much, you know, you'll be much further along and then we can move you through the other processes. So it's really not that hard. And here are the steps. They're not in any particular order. It's just do these things today. And the first thing is what you just said, send in your application to be a 501c3. You need a name for your nonprofit. You can call it anything, but do a Google search. It might already exist and make sure and, you know, get the domain name, um, just save it, but do an incognito search because as you know, someone took robinberlinski.com and I have to go through a broker to get it and they're asking me for a lot of money. So 
don't search it because someone out there knows you're searching and they're going to buy your idea and they'll have the domain name for your website. So do an incognito search of what you want your website name or nonprofit name to be. And then just buy that domain on godaddy.com. It's like $12. Don't do what I did. And the second thing, after you've sent in your application to be a 501c3 and you've got your domain name, you, you need a mission statement. You need something that's one sentence that says what you're going to do because that's your North Star. Without it, you're going to get in other lanes and chase squirrels. And it's so easy to have a mission creep and start thinking of, oh, I could do that. I could do that. And then you're just too many things to too many people and no one understands. So for example, at Engaging Creative Minds, our mission is to spark creativity and curiosity in all learners through innovative and experiential learning. Very broad. We're working with learners. We're innovative. We're creative. I'm not saying we create math problems for fifth graders to understand geometry better. Like that's really creating this narrow focus for you. You want to make your mission so broad that you can focus on it for years and years and years and you don't have to change it because you're still doing what you said you were doing. So you need a mission statement. That's number two. And then here's something I love. You want to start thinking about money, right? How are we going to sustain this work? So on this first day, I tell everybody to think about a nonprofit they already know about that maybe they have a friend who has a nonprofit or they know somebody who works in a nonprofit because chances are good the IRS is backlogged and your 501c3 is not going to come through quickly. It's kind of like getting a passport. It's going to take a while. So think about a fiscal agent. It's called a fiscal agent. It's another nonprofit that would act on your behalf to receive money. So if I'm thinking of starting a nonprofit, I file my 501c3. I'm ready to take action. There's a grant I want to write. I'm ready to serve children, let's say, Well, I'm going to go to another nonprofit and say, will you be my fiscal agent? You'll write up a memorandum of understanding, super easy, that says, you know, we'll give you, I think it's like a lot of them charge like seven, maybe 10% of whatever income comes in. They're going to take that because they're serving you. Sure. And then, you know, they'll be the ones receiving it. People can donate. They can write, write it off on their taxes and you can start moving and serving people. So no reason to wait for the IRS to, to, put your 501c3 through. Um, The fourth thing I recommend is to start recruiting a board. You need a board of directors when you have a nonprofit and you want people who can help you as you grow. So think about positions as much as people. So you want people who are enthusiastic and energetic and who love you and will support you. And then you need people who have a certain skill set, like an attorney, an accountant, or a banker, people that will fill the the void or fill an area for you when you need a quick answer, you can go to them and not have to call an attorney's office and pay to have a right. question answered. You want to, you know, use their expertise on your board. And you're just thinking about this right now. Remember, this is the first day. You're just sitting in a chair and brainstorming. So we all know people. We all know people who have different jobs. So just create a wish list of who could serve on your board. And what comes from that is something called the bylaws. The bylaws are the documents that guide your organization. So the bylaws are really important. They're very legally, and I say, here's my fun advice, steal them. I stole mine from another nonprofit. And by steal, I mean, hello, may I have your bylaws? (laughs) Um, Well, it's stealing because I'm not giving them back. So you don't need to recreate the wheel. And so you want to 
have things in there like how many board members must you have? What's the minimum? What's the maximum? What's a quorum? Sometimes a quorum is one more than half, or maybe it's, you know, you're going to come up with all these pieces and parts that will guide your board of directors. It's kind of like their boss. And again, you steal it and you make it your own. Um, so then you want to, here's the fun, this is fun that they all, everyone I talk to loves this one. So um, leaders of nonprofits can be really one of three things. They can be an executive director. They can be the president. They can be the CEO. I've seen some nonprofits, CEO and president. You can play around with this. So you get to, in this first day, kind of brainstorm, what do I want my title to be? And then there's a website called guidestar.org. I think it's org. It might be com. It's guidestar.org. And this is where every nonprofit, every nonprofit's 990 or tax return is posted. And in these tax returns, the leader, the CEO, the president, um, executive director, whatever they are, their salary is listed. And so if you go in there and find, and it has their annual operating budget, like a lot about them, find an organization similar in mission, similar in size, similar in what you think your budget's going to be and see what that person makes. How long have they been there? You know, you're probably not going to make what a 20-year CEO is making, but you're going to have an idea. Um, and you can go back to old 990s as well to see like, what were they making five years ago and come up with a salary because you want to have a reason. Like when you take your salary to the board, when you say, I want to make this salary, you want to have some backup for it because these three organizations are similar in scope and similar in income to us, what we're projecting to be. And I want mine in line with that. So that's a fun one. Who doesn't want to sit around and think about a, a salary if it's high? Um, then another um, number seven is start working on an operating budget. I provide a template um, when I help people because it's really start, you know, it's like when you hand some, you know, a kid in third grade a blank piece of paper and say, write about your summer. It's sort of like, oh, like I, there's nowhere, like you need a thing, you need a prompt. So I'll provide a template. Uh, budget template so that there's something to start with because it's real critical that you've got your expenses and your income lined up. Now, I will say this is really important and this was a big learn for me. Nonprofit accounting is not the same as profit accounting, as regular accounting, accounting that you and I do for our house finances. It's different. And it took me a while to realize like financial statements and balance sheets and profit and loss, they have different names. It's like, so statements of accounts. So you've really got to concentrate on what a nonprofit financial statement looks like and work on your annual budget. Now, to a lot of people, I'm going to be honest, this is the place where they go, I'm out. I'm going to be an LLC. I'm going to you know, hire a bookkeeper. And you are. That's You will hire a bookkeeper and let them do that. But you have to create your operating budget because you know your mission. You know the people you'll serve. You know, you've got to create the operating budget and I can help. Um, number eight, remember we steal the bylaws. We're also going to steal the employee manual from a nonprofit that's similar because the employee manual, so the bylaws are the guide for your board. The employee manual is the guide for your staff. So let's just for a minute talk about an org chart, an organizational chart of a nonprofit. The board is at the top. They're in the top box. They're the boss. They're the boss of the director slash CEO slash president, whatever you're calling yourself. So I have 24 bosses and engaging creative minds. They can hire me. They can fire me. They can change my salary. They're my bosses. Under me, 
there are 11 employees. I hire them, fire them, decide their salary. The board cannot touch them. The board is only allowed to make decisions about me. I make decisions about the employees. Now, all of those decisions are based on our North Star of our mission and then our budget. Once the board approves my budget, as long as I stay within those numbers, I get to make all those decisions, right? Because you hope that the board trusts you. So, you know, they're giving you the the parameters of the budget, but they're letting you make the decisions the way you want to make them. So steal your employee manual. Let me get back to that. Because your employee manual, while the bylaws determine how the board operates, the employee manual determines how the staff operates. These are things like how much PTO do you get? What holidays do you get when you work here? What's a conflict of interest? What are our paydays? Um, How should you dress? Anything that takes out the emotion so that it's not Robin Berlinski deciding you cannot have next Friday off because you don't have enough PTO accrued. It's according to the employee manual on page nine, you know, you have 14 PTO, you know, blah, blah, blah. It takes the emotion out because your decisions are in there. When an employee asks a specific question, you can refer them to the employee manual and say, you know, read that, read that page, come back to me if you have questions. It's really, really, really helpful as a leader, again, to take the emotion out. No one wants to tell someone no, but if you go to a policy manual, an employee manual, and the no is in there, you as the leader can always say, ah, oh, that's a no, that's sad, but I'm gonna let you do it this time. You know, be the hero. But again, the employee manual is gonna help you so much. And then another big one, obviously, probably the biggest one, is your sustainability, your income ability, the way the money's coming in. And what I recommend is to talk to other nonprofit leaders in your area. So this first day when I give you all this homework, all this stuff you're going to do, find other nonprofits. Maybe you know a leader. Maybe you know somebody there. Go talk to them. Take the time to sit down and find out what they do. What's their mission? What are their goals? What do they love? Get to know them because there are always ways to collaborate And grants love collaboration. Grants love when two or three nonprofits are working together. They love to see that with this funding, we'll do this and we'll partner with them. Remember when Lauren Herderick was on Kids on Point? We partnered with them. So, you know, you can write grants together. We actually won a national award together with them. It's just the power is in numbers. It's kind of just like life. You want to build relationships and create opportunities so that together your nonprofit can flourish and and make a greater impact. You can um, collaborate not only on grants, but you can collaborate on earned income opportunities, fundraisers, anything together. So you gotta, it's like, don't go to the bank when you need the money. You go to the bank when you don't need the money. Relationships are the same. Start creating them, building them, nurturing them before you need to write a grant or before you need a favor from another nonprofit um, and you'll have it because you have those relationships. An interesting story about Lauren Herderick. After she was on the show, I get a call from the National Summer Learning Association. Remember, Aaron Dworkin was on it. Talk about yeah. like, woo, Aaron Dworkin was on the show. Um, and we needed to, he needed to find a student in South Carolina who had gone through one of our Engaging Creative Minds programs who could fly to DC and be, like it was this, very specific. We need we need the student by like yesterday. And so I call Lauren. 
We strategize. She has a student. Her team reaches out. Anyway, long story, this student ended up going. They've been interning in D.C. with Nancy Mace this summer in D.C. Like, it's this beautiful story, all that came from her sitting. Emanated from this show. Yes. So relationships, it's going to help you with your impact. It's going to help you with your funding. It's just, it matters. It matters. But to, to make this maybe even easier to understand, what you're talking about, with with the exception of some very specific things that you need to do for a nonprofit, it's a business plan. It is a you business plan. You have to sit down yes. and think about all those pieces. And what did I hear years ago? If you fail to plan, then plan to fail. That's right. And write down the business plan and be as flowery as you want to. We're going to do this and this person is going to work with us and we're going to associate with this company. The sky's the limit. And that's why I love this project that I, you know, homework that I give on this first day because it's all dreaming. It's the fun stuff. It's the dreaming. The budget, it might sound icky if you don't like math. Well, then it tells the story. What impact do you want to have? How many kids do you want to serve? How many adults? How many healthcare work? Whatever your mission is, that's going to tell a story and you get excited about it. So, yes. So this program that you're talking about, people can come to you and learn from you about the ins and outs, the machinations of a, of a nonprofit. So really, they have a guide. They're not just out there figuring it out on their own or spending a lot of money on attorneys or whatever, getting advice from people that they don't know personally. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to tell you a funny story. So, okay. Yes. It's called. Well, you tell uh, us a story and I'm, I'll tell you if it's funny. I, <laughs> oh boy. Sorry. Pressure's on now. Okay. Not super funny. Maybe it's just cool. My story's cool. Right. So our 501c3 application was taking a very long time. This was 2012, 2013, lots of backlog. Um, we had a fiscal agent. We had a lot of grants, money coming in. It was hurting me. It was killing me to pay a fiscal agent right off the top. I mean, we had a $300,000 grant. We had to give 10% away. Like, ouch, it was hurting. So I, you know, would ask my board. No one really had an answer. I mean, it's sort of sit and wait. It's like a a passport. What are you going to do? So here's what I did. Here's my story. I wrote a letter to Barack Obama, who was president at the time, um, And I explained how this fiscal agent situation due to the slowness of my 501c3 was causing our nonprofit to be unable to serve X number of students. I did the math based on the amount of fiscal agent fees we were spending monthly. Um, Unfortunately, in South Carolina, these students need this service because of and provided some data and it went on and on. It was a lovely letter. I was very proud of it. A lot of people laughed at me and I mailed it out and time, you know, I forgot about it. And I get this email one day from, no, it was a phone call. It was a message and it, they left a message and it was so-and-so from the IRS. They need a copy of my signature. And I'm like, they didn't say it was for the nonprofit. And I'm panicking thinking, why does the IRS, it'd be like if the FBI shows up at your house, like why, why does the IRS need my signature? What is this about? So I called the woman back and I was, I didn't, and again, I didn't know if it was my own personal, did I do something wrong on my tax return? She said, oh, no, 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 no. We have, from the White House, we were told to push your 501c3 status through. So we're approving it today. Today, I got my 501c3 status approved. Imagine all the places that letter went to get action like that. Well, I'm telling you, this is why I say like energy matters. A no should not be a no. Think big, think bold. Just do what feels natural. Like, um, you know, 501c3 uh, or not 
501c3 nonprofit, the term nonprofit is an IRS status. It's not a business model. Think differently, be differently, run it like a business, but use your energy with it. Be creative, be big and bold and do things that others don't even think about doing and you'll stand out. Let me remind the audience that if you want to reach Robin directly for comments or questions, you can reach her at thelearningring.com. That's again, thelearningring.com. Well, this is pretty remarkable that, you know, a, a subject such as a nonprofit, which is fraught with questions and roadblocks. And, and here we have an expert. So learningring.com, would that be how people yeah. can get to you to yeah. uh, so get involved? This is something I've just organically grown and really created like yesterday. I'm going to do a five-day challenge in August, the 7th through the 11th. And I know this is timely in a podcast, but we're going to do it again. So just know there are five-day free nonprofits called Zero to Hero Challenge, where I will spend 30 minutes a day on a Zoom with a group of people interested in considering becoming a nonprofit or maybe improving their own nonprofit. There's a lot of information I'm going to share. Um, It's a five-day free challenge, nonprofit zero to hero challenge. Sign up on my website. You can uh, DM me on Instagram, Robin underscore Berlinski. Um, But yeah, I want to do this yearly, if not every six months, because I do get these questions a lot. And I want to be able to help people. We need more people impacting the world. So you can take somebody by the hand and bring them through the whole process. I can. You've just solved a huge, huge problem. Yeah, we go over what a 990 is. Um, you know, unrestricted versus restricted income. Board of directors, where do I even start? You know, the bylaws, the minutes, the quorums. All these things, you know, it's so easy. And it's so easy to raise money you know, create earned income opportunities. You know, it is a myth you have to live in scarcity. Nonprofit, again, is an IRS status. Building a loyal team, fulfilling a mission, mission, creating a robust salary that pays you and your team well. You know, I want to bring the nonprofit world to light and show how really easy it is. If I can do it, anyone can do it. So one of the things you said earlier in this podcast is that people will sit and decide, you know, do I want to do a, a nonprofit or do I want to have an LLC? Well, there are certain organizations that wouldn't make sense as an LLC. You really can only do them or should only do them as a nonprofit. Would you be able to tell right off the bat and tell somebody, look, this is the direction you need to go? I don't think I do that. I think I'm a bit like a therapist where I would say, how do you feel about that? I want them to come to that conclusion uh, because there are a lot of ways. I I mean, I think everyone could be a nonprofit if you had the right kind of mission and values and goals. I think it would. It's just a one, a one, one. Uh, not a one size fits all. So maybe I'm throwing you a curveball here, but can you tell me some of the myths that surround the nonprofit world? Yeah, the biggest one is that it, you know you have to live in scarcity. You what, know. what do you mean by that? That is like nickel and dime pennies. Um, you know, wear hand me down clothes because you can't make any money if you're a nonprofit leader. Nonprofits shouldn't make money. You shouldn't have money. You should use all the money. No, 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 no. You should have a reserve account. You should have earned income. You know, it. I hear a lot of people who say, I want to do this, but my cousin, my brother, my mother, they say, I'm going to never have anything. I'm going to have to live in this silly house for the rest of my life. It's this misery story of scarcity that I hear all the time. And I say, no, 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 no. No, it does not have to be that way. Service to people is not a scarcity industry. There is abundance in the nonprofit world. There is money everywhere. There are people everywhere who want to support organizations 
that are doing good in the community, and we need more of it. So when you talk about GuideStar, what I know about GuideStar is it's a great resource to look at all the you know valid nonprofits out there and get the details. Now, there may be some where you'd go, gee, that seems like a significant salary for that CEO. Maybe that's a little too high. Or look at that. The majority of their operating budget is going to the infrastructure and not to serving the community. I know stories like that come out occasionally. Do you have any kind of a you know, red flag. I'm not asking to mention anybody in particular, but you know, the facts are the facts. There they are right in front of you. Yeah. I mean, I always try to keep it between 17 and 26% overhead. And when I, when I say that, what I mean is you can grow as an organization. You can, you know, and especially if you have an amazing organization where your staff is loyal, they'll stay year over year over year. And now you have to increase these salaries. I mean, there's cost of living and then there's, you know, you want to always reward your staff. And so, What I say to that is look at the impact numbers, not just the salaries or the overhead, because the the bigger you grow, the more you grow, the more you can impact. So what's the relationship? You could make 20,000 a year and serve a million kids, or you could make 150,000 a year and serve 20 kids. Well, what are you doing? Like I would look at the, the comparison to overhead costs and then number served to see the return on investment. But you also want to look at who is this leader and what are they bringing? What's the value to this organization? Without them, would they be where they are? Should this, you know, there's just so much more involved in that. And that's what I try to tell potential nonprofit leaders is those are the myths. There is no place for scarcity, low, low, low salaries. If you can't make a living as a nonprofit leader, do something else. That's right. just, that's not fair. Well, I totally get that. Um so when, when do, are we kicking this off? You said you're doing a workshop in August, which, of course, if you're listening to this in September, it's probably already passed. But if you visit thelearningring.com, I'm sure Robin will post upcoming seminars and opportunities to get in touch with her. I think this is a tremendous service. I yeah. mean, very. This five-day tr- challenge, my hope is it turns into like a 12-week masterclass mm. in the fall. And then, again, like every quarter have a masterclass because there is no shortage of people considering becoming a nonprofit. So you got about 30 seconds. Tell me what was the inspiration for this? So maybe the 500th person asked you. Exactly. I said, you know, hold on, let let me, let me, let me take a moment and create something because the questions are just coming in. Yeah. And is there one particular question that is like on everybody's tongue? What would that be? How do you start? What do you do? I don't even know what, and what is a 501c3? It's so basic and yet so simple. Okay. That's terrific. Well, Robin, once again, uh, you know, this was, uh, I always look at a show, if it's interesting to me, then I think it's interesting to the, uh, to the audience. And, and I hope I've, I'm represented well. I think you regard. are. I hope so. I hope this was fun. It's great. So you've been listening to Energy Matters in the Classroom with Robin Berlinski. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. And we'd love your feedback at thelearningring.com, where you can also reach out to Robin with questions or comments and even chances to win fabulous prizes. Thanks for joining us. Until next time.